A bustling market town in the 1870s, horses and carts, coaches and canal boats coming back and forth bringing trade and livestock to Ellesmere. The Lawrence family from Staffordshire also came. John and Harriet brought their five children, soon to be six, and took over the running of the Bridgewater Hotel in the middle of town. Three girls and three boys, aged between one and twelve. But in 1877, something of a much more sinister nature arrived in the area too. A killer with no cure. A few miles down the road at Duddleston, a number of children had started falling ill and the problem was quickly diagnosed, diphtheria. In May, a couple of the Lawrence children went on a walk there and stopped for a drink of water. Within a few days, eight-year-old Fanny started complaining of a sore throat. Her glands were inflamed and a fever soon set in. She started developing grey mucus in her throat. The Lawrences knew what the problem was, but there was little they could do. At the time, there was no vaccine or cure, and treatment was restricted to the inhalation of iodine or other vapours. And on the 11th of May, she died. In the following days, her siblings started showing the symptoms too. And on the 26th, Gertrude, the youngest, died. The following day, so did the eldest, Annie. They had twins, seven-year-old boys, Wheelie and Walter, and on the 30th, one of them succumbed. The relentless tragedy continued. On the 31st, Mr Lawrence was at the funeral of his little boy when an urgent telegram arrived. It had come from Litchfield, where his eldest son was at school. He'd fallen ill and his dad must come immediately. The 11-year-old had caught the infection when he came home to his sister Annie's funeral. Mr Lawrence rushed to the train station, but when he got there, he was handed another telegram. It was too late. The Lawrences were left with one child, the remaining twin. But on the 2nd of June, he too died. All were lost to the dreaded child killer, diphtheria. Back in 1877, Ellesmere was an up-and-coming market town, connected to the whole country by its canal, roads and railway network. Packed with traders on market days and a major port of call for the carriages carrying post, which would stop at the Bridgewater Arms. These days the town is much quieter, but the inn is still there. It's now called the Ellesmere Hotel, and the current landlady, Sheila Wolford, has been giving me a tour. It's a modern bar now. My partner Mark has renovated it. It used to be the function room. There was a cellar underneath, but it was Since she took over, they've been looking into the history of the building and were aware of what had happened to the Lawrence family. Going through to the back staircase. Now this is where the servants would have been up and down all the time. Uh, okay. It's now a fire exit. Can you see the shape of a door? 
So I'm yeah. just looking down the staircase because this this hotel just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Yes, I can see there's a it, so there's a wall there. There's, there's an outlining wall. of what might have been a door. And we think that goes through to next door, which would have gone through to next door, and we think that house was probably where the people lived. So yeah. we're climbing up this, so that so the Lawrence children would have no doubt run up and down these stairs countless yes. times, wouldn't they? Oh, that's right. We pulled up some stools in the pool room to talk about the events that hit the hotel 140 years ago. I've read the newspaper cutting that was announcing the tragedy of the family. It, it is, it's horrific to read because the story is where the child goes to Duddleston and asks for a cup of water and has a couple a drink from the house that there's already a child with diphtheria there. And I know Duddleston. It's where I grew up around that area. And to think, yes, we walked around those lanes as well. But bringing the illness back to the pub and then six children within the space of weeks, you can't imagine your child. And then six of them, it's, it's horrendous. It's also important to remember that the family, they stayed here, didn't they? They stayed for a long time after, after this tragedy yes. um, had happened. They kept doing functions. Yes. They were very well loved, weren't they, in the yes. community? What do you know about um, how well respected they were? The newspaper cutting about Mr Lawrence's death, when I, I read that describing how he was an upstanding figure in the community, how his illness was so sudden and everybody was shocked. Here we go. So, this is talking about his reputation. So it's 25th of March in the Edo's Journal, 1891. Mm -hmm. Do you mind reading that for me? Certainly. We regret to record the death of Mr J.W. Lawrence of the Bridgewater Hotel Ellesmere. Mr Lawrence came to reside in the Ellesmere some 15 years ago, taking over the business of Mr Steele. And during this period, he has brought this well-known hotel to a high state of perfection. He was universally respected and endeared himself to all with whom he came in contact. And he was a highly respected and greatly esteemed by all who he employed. Mrs Lawrence has the keen sympathy of her neighbours upon all of whom the death of Mr Lawrence has come as a blow. Uh, and I'll just stop you there. Yes. I've never seen this newspaper clipping before. I mean, I've done research into the story. Yes. I haven't seen this. And it's this last sentence that really interests me and probably made yeah. you think, oh my goodness, read it for me and tell us the significance of it. He leaves a widow and one boy about 10 years old to mourn his loss. It's brilliant, and I was so happy that they'd had another child. You know, you think childless and to get another son, it's lovely. It's, it's a bit like a happy ending in a sad way, that they had the joy of having another child. And do you know any more of the family? Do you know where they went or what happened or what happened to the, to the boy? No, I, we've not done any more research into that side at all. Not, not as yet. Would you love to know? Yes. <laughs> Family trees have deep roots with branches that spread far and wide. And when you explore them, it's sometimes surprising to find out where they lead. 
As I researched the story, I came across one man who also had an interest in the Lawrence family. Mark Ashdown had been doing research into his family tree and discovered that the Lawrences were distant cousins, but he knew nothing of the fate of their children. But to my surprise, Mark revealed to me another fascinating family connection. His brother is, in fact, one of Britain's most famous politicians. I'm the seventh child and the youngest. My father was born in India, my mother was born in Northern Ireland. My first four were born in India, uh, and the rest of us were born in Ireland. Mostly I grew up in Australia. I mean, that was sort of, as the Irish would say, it's where I was bred, it was where I was bred and buttered. This was big news at the time, but it's, it's not the, the only time your family has been in the news, is it? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, my brother's in politics, and probably people have heard of him, Paddy Ashdown, so he's fairly well known, and he pops up in the news from time to time, and historically has. Tell me about your links with Shropshire. Well, I didn't realise I had any links with Shropshire until about um, 10 or 15 years ago when I started looking at um, our family history because I realised we didn't really know it. And I was then able to track back through my various relatives to uh, the earliest link I can find with the, the name of um, Ashdown. Uh, it was unusually in Shropshire because most Ashdowns come from southeast England but the first Ashdown I managed to track was my fourth great-grandfather, John Ashdown, who um, made a will in the 1770s or thereabouts, uh, and he was an innkeeper in Shifnal at the time. And they had two children, Elizabeth Ashdown, who died at the age of 15, and John, who is my third great-grandfather, who um, went on to marry Elizabeth Middleton Jellicoe, and, you know, the family was fairly well established there. I think if you look at for any of the Ashdown, then if you might find the Ashdown name appearing in Shropshire, there'll be some family relationship with us. With us. So but it's this Jellicoe link is the one that links you to the family in Ellesmere, John and Harriet Lawrence, who had six children. And what can you tell me that you, initially that you found out about them? My third great-grandmother, Elizabeth Middleton Jellicoe, her sister was Anne Jellicoe, they were all born around uh, in Alberbury in around the in 1760s or so. And Anne Jellicoe married John Lawrence. Let me look it up in Shifnal. They had one child, John Wheatley Lawrence, and he married Harriet Round, and they had seven children. And, of course, the tragedy you've identified is that six of those seven children died uh, in 1877 of diphtheria. How much of that story did you know when you sort of did all the research? Well, I didn't, actually, until you pointed me in that direction. So until then, I hadn't really tracked them down very far. I'd sort of noted them, but I hadn't noted that they'd all died on the, virtually within days of each other, or why. And then you turned that information up. It put me in mind of um, my childhood in Australia. We lived in a, a town called Castle, Maine, in central Victoria, where, in fact, there was uh, a little, tiny little cemetery out in the bush on the edge of town called Pennyweight Flat. Castle, Maine was a big gold rush city in the 1850s. And um, there was a diphtheria epidemic there, which killed many, many children, and that's where they were all buried, uh, right out in a rather sort of sad little part of the bush um, on the edge of town. So that put me in mind of that and the tragedy of sudden death and whole families being wiped out, you know, within days of each other. Even more directly, my parents' second child, whose name was Richard, he died in India of um, what I think was a form of 
very sudden illness. He was 18 months old when he died of dysenteric croup, I think it was. So we're very closely related to that. So even in the sort of 40s, this is during the war, there were still children and families being carried off by illnesses which we think are a thing of the past because we can just go and get some sort of injection or an antibiotic treatment and solve it. But um, then you couldn't. The big name that people are going to recognise from this is Paddy Ashdown, your brother. When, When was the last time you spoke to him? Oh, well, we speak fairly regularly. You know, we share emails from political events, etc. So um, uh, he's always rushing around doing things and uh, writing books, etc. So, but we speak from time to time. Yeah. Wow. I mean, is he aware of the the link to this family? Have you I mean, mentioned? Yes, I, yeah, I share it with uh, my uh, my brother and my. There's only three of us still alive. So, um, of my brother and my sister, who still lives in Cuffermaine in Australia. So, usually when I come up with some hot news, I usually share it with them. So he's fairly up to date on the latest family history news. Now, as you mentioned, uh, John and Harriet Lawrence, they had seven children. Six of them sadly died. Mm. One lived, George Shenton Lawrence. Yes. What do you know about him? Uh, Well, very little, really. I see he married. I've never found any evidence of them having any children, but he was involved in the war. It looks like he was an airman during the war. Uh, That's the First World War. He seems to have joined up in 1915. Do you know what, you know, are you such and such cousin twice removed? Have you figured that out? Yes. John Wheatley Lawrence is my first cousin four times removed. His mother, Angelico, is my fourth great aunt. And then we can go down all the various... So John Shenston, second cousin, because of slightly married out of line, second cousin three times removed. And that's really as much as I know about him. You probably know more. hotel closed for a couple of weeks. It was cleaned and the investigations into what had happened got underway. The public water supply was blamed and in December £6,000 went towards improving it. As for the Lawrences, it was only a matter of weeks before trade got back to normal. It had to. And in October they were congratulated for a magnificent spread they put on for the bowling club. But in 1880, a new, very special arrival blessed the hotel. Their final child, a son, George. George Shenston Lawrence. He grew up and spent most of his boyhood years in Ellesmere until he was ten when his father, John, died. He then moved to Landudno in the 1890s with his mother, Harriet, and they took over the running of another guest house. It was here where he later met his wife, Gwen, whose family were greengrocers. I've tracked down their great-niece, Anne Weiser, who fondly remembers going to visit Uncle Shen from as early as 1950, when she was just five years old. We used to visit my grandmother in uh, Flandidno every, well, two or three times a year, but particularly at Christmas we would be sent round to visit the great-aunts and the family. And so Uncle Shen and Auntie Gwen lived just outside Lendidno. And he was an elderly gentleman when I knew him, generally, I think, dressed in tweeds. And I have a sort of mental image of him wearing either a deerstalkery sort of hat or a, a tweed cap. 
that he was often outside uh, because he was a, a wonderful gardener, had the most immaculately kept garden and vegetables and orchard that you could imagine. He showed us once this old apple tree, which had six, I think, different varieties of apples grafted onto it, which he explained to us how he'd, he'd done that. So he, he was, yes, he was just a, what I call a tweedy old gentleman when I knew him, but he was very approachable and, and much less scary than, than his wife, Auntie Gwen. You had to be on your best behaviour. <laughs> Anne lives in Gloucestershire, but grew up in Newcastle. She was unaware of what had happened to George's older brothers and sisters. None whatever, not until you got in touch and you know, told me the story of the diphtheria. It's incredible that his parents were even able to give, give birth and, and to, to look after him you know, after all that tragedy because it must have taken a huge amount of courage to carry on living if you've lost six children like that. You, know, you just can't believe how, that, how they, could, they could do it. Outbreak. I mean, that was never discussed, never mentioned. He may, they may have talked about it with my mother, but she, she certainly didn't say anything. Uh, he certainly never spoke about his family or his childhood to, to me. And I think he died in the late 60s, I think. George and Gwen had two children, Derek and Ruth, but no grandchildren. I've put Anne and Mark Ashdown in touch, branching two very distant sides of the family tree. But going back to the Ellesmere Hotel, where it all happened 140 years ago, I told the current landlady, Sandra, the good news about what had happened to George after he left for good. George, it seems, was, a, was very green-fingered. That's lovely, isn't it, to think that something good came out of this and exactly. the, the living child from the, from the Lawrence family went yes. on and had a happy life. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. It's, it's lovely. When you're walking around the hotel, you sort of, because we're renovating, we've unearthed different things, and you're, you're trying to locate where they would have been. But the hotel is such a, a nice, happy hotel. I don't feel like there's any real sadness here, so it, it doesn't worry me. Even though I think six children, it's still, imagine them being happy running around the place more than the tragedy. Bye, 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 bye. 